0: One, two, three, four. And to be honest, like, I did not handle it very well as an individual because I don't think I had the tools or, like, the realization of, like, okay, outside of that work, I don't know who the fuck I am, you know? And, like, I really hit a wall. I think feeling a lot more, like, guilt and shame about it and not really knowing how to process it. So I ended up going to residential rehab where it was, like, a lot of that was, like, trying to rewire my brain to like be like okay I I have an identity
1: Welcome back to the well now at podcast. I'm your host Savannah. Today's guest is Nadia and Nadia has accomplished so much in her career and she's only 22 years old. When you hear me talk about her bio in a little bit, You'll be like, Savannah, are you ever going to stop talking? But it's because Nadia has just accomplished so much in her career. And it's very impressive. But Nadia has also been through a lot of shit. She's been through a lot of trauma. And I'm going to give a trigger warning. Um, In this episode, we do talk a little bit about sexual abuse, depression, anxiety, PTSD. All things that she's open to talking about. But I thought I would give a warning there. But I think this episode is so valuable and very informative. Nadia is wise beyond her years and... As I said, she's been through a lot and was recently, I'm doing quote air quotes, canceled in society earlier this year. So it's interesting hearing her perspective of going through that. In this episode, we also talk about why Nadia is so passionate about periods, why she started activism around it, and whether you're a girl or a guy, I think it's so informative. There's so many things that I learned that I had no idea about. For example, that there's still a tampon tax in a lot of the states in the US, meaning that tampons are considered a luxury item, so there's a high tax on that. Or the origin of the meaning of the word taboo, which means menstruation. So why are females and males still so awkward talking about periods when half of the population has them. So we kind of dive deep into that and issues of capitalism around menstruation and marketing and branding. So we talk about a lot of topics here, but um, it's a really good episode. So I hope you enjoy. I also just wanted to mention that I'm selling Well Now What podcast shirts and the design work is designed by my good friend Mackenzie Ford. It's a really sick design. So if you're interested in buying a shirt, they're $25. So just head to my website, wellnowwhatpodcast.com. I'm here with Nadia Okamoto. Nadia is a social entrepreneur, activist, and speaker for the menstrual movement for the power of Generation Z and youth activism and for overcoming adversity. She is the founder of Period, the largest youth-run NGO in women's health and one of the fastest growing in the United States. Under her leadership as executive director for five years, PERIOD addressed over 1.5 million periods and registered over 800 campus chapters in all 50 states and 50 other countries. In 2017, Nadia ran for public office in Cambridge at age 19, at the time becoming the youngest Asian American to run. In 2018, Nadia published her debut book, Period Power, a manifesto for the menstrual movement. Nadia is also the former chief brand officer and current board member of JUV Consulting, a Generation Z marketing agency based in New York City. She's included in the latest cohorts of Forbes' 30 Under 30, Blooming Burbs' 50 Once to Watch, and People's Magazine's Woman Changing the World. Today, Nadia is 22 years old and she's also a Harvard student. In early 2020, she co-founded and launched August, a lifestyle brand working to reimagine periods. And Nadia has faced many hardships in her life and in her career, and I think her experience handling backlash or any adversity that have come up, I think will really inspire others to continue pursuing their dreams and goals, and also how to navigate mental health and finding your identity. So Nadia, you're half Chinese, Taiwanese, and half Japanese. How was your household like growing up? Because those are two very different cultures. And did you always have that entrepreneurial spirit?
0: I mean so I mean the, my racial identity is something that I think I've really struggled with growing up right because I mean my you know my grandparents from Taiwan grew up in Taiwan while it was occupied by Japan, right? And so they had one sort of sentiment um, towards the Japanese part of me, right? And so, and same thing with my Japanese grandma used to like have us wash our hands before dinner and say it was like washing the dirty Chinese off of us. And so there was that sort of animosity, like within my own family around race. And you know, I grew up with my parents fighting a lot and my dad was like rather abusive. Um, And uh, so I think that there was always a part of me that was kind of like a traumatized scared little girl who like really just wanted to like get out of the house right and I think that started to really show up like from a very early age and it wasn't like run I don't mean run away I mean literally I wanted to immerse myself in school I then I got obsessed with dance and then in middle school I was like trying to book myself with things and in high school I was like doing 16 clubs and like x number of sports so that I could like be out of the house. And so. I I say all that to say, like, I think a lot of my upbringing and the trauma that I did grow up with pushed me to really be a sort of young workaholic. And while I think that that has brought a lot of good to my life. I also think that it is something that I've had to really work through, right? Because that's something that I really had to grapple with, especially this year of like, what are the consequences when I'm running away into work, right? And when I'm sort of frantically trying to like find safety within work. Um, And I actually spent some time in like a residential rehab place this summer where I was doing like addiction treatment for work, right? And so I say all that to say that I think what I, what I, like, I truly feel that like my greatest strengths from my upbringing are also my greatest weaknesses, you know? And so um, I think that the question of, well, now what is something that I asked myself a lot this year.
1: Yeah. And what about finding your identity in self-worth? Because I imagine for a long time, you probably thought of yourself as like, the period girl the period founder or you really resonate your identity with that so how did you learn to refine who you are
0: i mean to be honest like I don't, that's that's the interesting part, which is I, I never really have identified as like, oh, I'm an activist, right? Like to me, like I've always just thought, oh, well, like isn't everyone an activist because activism is like fighting the status quo. So like if you're doing that in whatever medium that is, like that's that's activism. For me, I like, I knew that I loved organizing and I love to just like make shit happen, but I, I do think, you know, and, and I've been very open about this for like the last several years of like, I started my nonprofit period when I was 16 and was very much into like, well, at the time I felt like completely worthless. Like I was in a really abusive relationship with also like grappling, like realizing that my dad was abusive with me. And, um, I think was really struggling from a mental health perspective. And, was really depressed, and then I started working on periods, and like I am so genuinely passionate about it. Like I get so riled up just as much as I did six years ago. Um, but I think that when I started do that, I aligned all my self worth and my identity with this work. And so when I this summer, I started to hear that. Um, you know, the way I had worked and the things that I believed were causing other people to feel silenced or, um, was, was sort of hoarding opportunities in that way. Like it was one, a big wake up call for me. And also like, I kind of froze. Right. Because I think from that, from when I started until now, I was all about like, I just follow my instincts. Like, that's what you have to do when you're 16, have no work experience and no money and you start something. It's like, you're just acting off of instincts. And so it was not only that, but it was also like, okay, the world, like the world around me was basically thrusting me into having to pause. Right. And to be honest, like I did not handle it very well as an individual um, because I don't think I had the tools or like the realization of like, okay, outside of that work, I don't know who the fuck I am, you know? And, and so it, like, I really hit a wall. Like, I, I just, you know, suddenly stopped, like, functioning as a human. Like, that's kind of all I could say. It's like, I think this past, like, um, end of June, I was sort of, like, obsessing over the critiques and mm-hmm. and taking them very seriously. But I think feeling a lot more, like, guilt and shame about it and not really knowing how to process it And so it wasn't even like a, well, now what? I think there was a part of me that was like, well, now I just, like, I just, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to residential rehab where it was like, a lot of that was like trying to rewire my brain to like, be like, okay, I, I have an identity. And I went through like extensive, even like uh, testing and like, was learning more about my own mental health of like learning that I had like complex PTSD and like how part of that is like not feeling a sense of identity. And then, so I think I'm still on that journey. Like, to be honest, like I still have no idea what the fuck I want to do. Like, obviously throughout my whole career, I always have like multiple things going on because I don't know what I really want to do. Right. And I'm still figuring out who I am. Um, and I'm like very much still like trying to hold myself accountable as I move forward too.
1: Yeah. No. Yeah. So that must've been quite, quite traumatic and difficult to go through. And what about like now when you find yourself like dipping and having lows, do you have like certain tools people to talk to or like, what do you do now when you're feeling like really low?
0: So, I mean, I think, Absolutely. For, for me, like I have always found a lot of healing through movement, like, and I don't mean like a walking around, like for me, like exercise and like fitness, like are truly the thing to like snap me out of my funk sometimes. So coming out of rehab, I did yoga teacher training. So now I teach free yoga classes every week because I grew up thinking like yoga is what like rich white moms do. And so I was like, okay, my, my requirement, if I do this is I've never, I don't want to charge it make money from class so um that's been really fun and so movement and like working out and like you know just being able to have that in my life and like chemically actually wakes your body up right um and so that's been a big one um I would also say that like something I did this year was like stop giving time to people who make me really unhappy right like I don't I think because of, you know, the behavior I grew up with, like you kind of get conditioned to like surround yourself with people who like, don't make you feel very good. Right. And then accept it. And I think a lot of my mental health work this summer was like, who am I friends with? Like, who, who do I really trust? And like, why am I still like believing or like, you know what I mean? Like, I think I've, I've just been doing that a lot more. And like, sometimes that means like, when I look around me, I'm like, okay, I have, like two really wonderful friends, you know, but like, you really, really fuck with them, you know? And so I think that for me, like getting out of my funk is like a lot of uh, just like trying to find those, rela- those relationships where like, I feel so safe, but also like journaling, right? Like journaling is huge for me. Um, I've tried to meditate. That's, I'm not I'm not very good at it yet. I'm not even. Um, exactly, but I I but I think that what is really the hardest thing for me is whenever I've been in a funk throughout my whole life, what I do is I work right? Like I literally would be sad and then I would continue working. And until like earlier this year, whenever every time I closed my laptop, I would start crying or I would start having a panic attack and I didn't know why. So I've been an insomniac for like the last 10 years because like if my brain wasn't running on high, I was freaking out, right? Mm -hmm. And- and then, and now, like, for the first time, I'm, I'm on mental health med medications. And, like, to be honest, like, I know that there's a lot of stigma around that. And, like, I'm still learning how to talk about that. But, like, that has been such a necessary part of, like, oh, now I can sleep. And, like, it's not normal to, like, or not normal, but, like, I don't have to be so sad all day for no reason, you know? Yeah. So that's been good.
1: Yeah, no, I resonate a lot with you with that because with me for my coping mechanism, if I have like anxiety or any sort of like sadness, I'll want to work. I throw myself into something. So I yeah. keep myself busy. But then you don't address the feelings, you know, I just keep pushing them down and then they come yeah. up later. So it's it's good that you've realized that and that you've understood that. But um, focusing on your work with just like peers in general, you're clearly still very passionate about it. You co-launched um, August earlier this year. Um, So why do you think, I know you started with period at the age of 16, but why do you think you've continued to do the work, especially what happened this summer? Maybe most people would think that you wouldn't touch or like talk about periods again or, or do anything with periods. So why have you continued with um, August?
0: I mean, to be honest, like it's just period, the issue around periods and like the stigma around periods, is just like, it's the thing that I am able to work on. And like, it doesn't feel like work, right? Like I get, I like when I read things about periods or like, Yesterday, TikTok took down one of my videos uh, just painting about periods. And like, I get so riled up about it. And it's like truly the thing that keeps me up at night. Like I'll go to sleep being like the tampon tax is here and like, how are we supposed to take it down? And like, why is it that when I said this, like, or why is it that like, I don't feel comfortable posting a picture of my tampon? Like, should I feel comfortable? Like, these are the things that like keep me up at night and like flood my head. And to be honest, like I prayed away when everything happened this summer that like, this would not be the thing that was what I was passionate about because I was so scared to do it. Right. But at the end of the day, like, this is, this is what I'm really passionate about. And I also think that like, I truly feel that like, I have so much more work left in me that I think I can contribute. Right. And I think the reason I have gone for things or like dared to start a company or like dared to come back into this space is like, one, I want to hold myself accountable. I want to do the work. And I I also think that like I, you know, in some ways, like you realize like, okay, I'm the best person to do this. Right. Like, and so that's, that's something where I sort of going into this and coming out of rehab, like I read a book a day about capitalism while I was there. And I was like, okay, how do we do this? And how do we reimagine it? And how do we kind of get out of the nonprofit industrial complex? So we're able to like fully fund, you know, the work that's actually being done on the ground. Um, But it's also like, I, I, I firmly believe in like the power of brands and culture shifting, Um, and I know that's kind of controversial right now, given like a lot of the pushback that I've received is like for working with companies, right. And working with brands and even in school, like I'm studying all of these things, trying to like dismantle why I still have hope in capitalism. Um, and I think that I've kind of come to a space where like, I think capitalism has caused so many of the issues and inequalities we work or we see today, but in terms of like how we shift that and how we change it. I think I believe in a way of reimagining capitalism while also building and redistributing wealth to actually change that system, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that a lot of, I mean, a lot of my work this summer was like, what do I believe and why do I believe it? Who am I and why am I that? And trying to challenge myself on every single thing.
1: I just wanted to pop in and to thank this week's sponsor, Nature's Path. And I've always been a really big fan of Nature's Path. Um, I remember growing up, I would always eat the toaster pastries. And then in university, in my dorm rooms, I would make the little oatmeal packets. And now I really enjoy their grain-free granolas. Um, And they also own the company Capasa. So you might've seen those tortilla chips in your local grocery stores. So I recommend checking them out, especially the grain-free granola. Um, It's really delicious. So you can find them at naturespath.com. Now back to the interview.
0: like, it's a very new thing for me to be like, no, like, this is why I believe in conscious capitalism. And like, this is why I'm not going to move from that, you know? Um, so, so I'm, and that's why I think I I honestly don't even feel like it's a choice. It's just like, I I've tried to do other things. (laughs) Like I tried to, I've been doing like writing and like op-ed writing about politics and every one of my pitches becomes about reproductive rights. It's just like the thing that I read about the thing that I think about, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I'm just still wondering, like, why are people still so uncomfortable talking about periods, even girls? And I found myself last week, I struggled with an eating disorder. So I lost my period for over five years. And I just got it back last week. And I wanted to share it with my close girlfriends. But I was like, oh, like, I the the thoughts that came to mind, like, oh, should I share this? Is this weird? Is this too TMI to my best girlfriends? Yeah, I'm just like, why is like, obviously, it's starting to change now. But like, why are we still uncomfortable? Is that like as you said is it brands that need to be held accountable like the way that they're portraying periods and the menstrual movement or why do you think that is?
0: I mean, I think that it's a factor of so many things, right? It's like, well, first of all, if you want to go all the way back, like how the period how periods show up in the Bible, right? Like Genesis, the opening of the Bible, like menstruation shows up because it is the punishment that god gives to eve for like committing the sin of eating the apple right so like immediately in like religious texts the word taboo comes from the word root word tapua um which is polynesian and means menstruation right so like even in the language and the etymology of how we speak about bodies or how we speak about stigmas is so closely related to periods and i think that because of that and Also, like, as part of a danger of capitalism, like, my favorite chapter of my book to write actually was about the commodification of period products, and, like, I... Truly believe that the way you know companies try to make profit is by convincing consumers that they need the product, right? And so basically, the way that period products I think have been sold traditionally are by perpetuating negative stigmas around periods, right? Saying, "Buy our products so that you can hide our period, right? Buy your pro- hide your period, like buy our products to forget you have a period, right? Like mm-hmm. if you look at old ads from like the '70s, not very long ago, it is so angering, like. I included one in my book actually that i i found in one of the feminist archives at harvard that basically said like oh tip like don't ever talk ab- don't ever talk about your period with your husband because then they will think that you're complaining about being a woman and don't want to be a woman and what man wants to be with a woman who doesn't want to be a woman right like there are things like that or like even you think about the standard ad we all know like oh you feel gross but then you like use the product. And then you go on a date and you can play tennis in a white outfit, right? Like <laughs> the things become about like, Oh, buy So nobody knows about it. You don't have to think about it and you can actually do something and feel confident. And basically what that's saying is like, okay, so without the product, what are you right? You are messy, dirty. You feel shit, shitty, like aren't worthy of a date. You cannot wear white. You know, like, I think that a lot of it has been rooted in in that and then from a from even like a legislative perspective, right like still today thirty states in the u s have a sales tax on period products considering them luxury items like non-essential goods right so fundamentally, um, a lot of the legislation that exists today that don't consider period products and subsidies like period products aren't covered by food stamps like that is all rooted in this assumption that like period products, like menstrual hygiene is like luxury, right? Like it's not, it's not a necessity, right? And you can trace that back to the fact that, okay, who are making the laws? Now we're getting more women in office. Now we're getting more people with periods in office, but for a long fucking time. And in most of these places, like it's people who don't talk about periods and don't even know about periods and don't, you know, don't think about it, you know, making that legislation. Right. So I think it's truly from all of these angles and kind of to touch back on what your other question around, like, why am I still in this? is like, I get this energized, even though that like I've talked about this like six times today and every day for the last six years, like I, it's
1: still this like, oh, like, I guess so like, this is a fucking ridiculous, you yeah, know? Yeah. No, I love, I love your passion. You can tell just how passionate you are and that tampon tax is ridiculous. Even you just mentioning that just gets me riled up. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. And I'm, um, I guess I'm wondering about August. So right now it's more of like an online community, but are you guys going to have your own products eventually? Are you going to yeah. reimagine the, the wheel and create like new marketing towards it? Or like, what's the plan with August?
0: Everything. Yeah. I mean, I think right now, and actually we, from the very beginning, we wanted to be about community. Like, so we've been working with like several hundred Gen Zers, like since earlier this year. Um, And right now we're just really focused on like having conversations about periods. Um, We'll eventually launch product um, in the spring, but right now we're just like hyper-focused on like creating that space Um, and actually working with a lot of our community to like Define those products. Figure out how we talk about those products. So, like, they've been a huge part of that, right? Um, and like, to be honest, like, I think what I have been most humbled by in this experience is like being reminded every day, like, how much I don't know, and who are the role models I'm looking up to right now, like the middle schooler and high schoolers on my team, right? Like, I am 22 now which is young, but like in the youth space, I'm like old, like I'm an older, I'm barely Gen Z. Like I'm almost not there. Mm-hmm. And every time I have a conversation with our team and like, we have a few middle schoolers on our team, I'm just like blown away. Right. And so um, that's kind of what we're focusing on, you know, as we create, like, we're really trying to just co-create what this brand is. And that's why you see like, even on social media, like so much of it is from our community, right? Like is a lot of our community members, like their stories, their experiences, the engagement, like all of that.
1: That's amazing. And I just have a last question. Um, what would you go back and tell your 16-year-old self when you first started all of this?
0: I think it's the same thing that I would tell my 22-year-old self, which is just like, you are safe. You are okay. <laughs> because honestly, I think that, and it's I I, th- I obsess over this every day, which is like, okay, why... Like, you know, you know, when you kind of, I don't, I'm not saying you, like I'm saying for me, like, I think that there are so many instances, like even today where I'll have these moments and I'm like, why am I like this? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. as a depressed person, sometimes you get into this headspace where you're like, oh, I really didn't mean to say that. Like, that was really, that was really mean of me or insensitive or like, that was kind of like, that was a temper and I don't know where that came from. Or like, I'm sorry, like I didn't, I wasn't very careful about that. Or like, I was careless about this. And I think that like, I have, I have, you know, regardless of intent, like cause people, Even like my loved ones, like anxiety or pain. And it's from a place of like, I think my body has always kind of been trained to be in this like state of emergency. Mm -hmm. And I think that right now, like in part of like medication and like being so into therapy right now is like really trying to take time to be like, okay where am I really leading from right now am I leading from a place of freaking out and trying to prove myself am I leading from a place of like competition or and sometimes I am and sometimes it's like having people around me like my co-founders like my best friend who can say like you need to go fucking take a break and like even my boyfriend will like fucking close my laptop like be like we are going on a walk because you haven't left the house in three days right like like there there are things like that that I think um I'm still trying to grapple with right and like even being on this podcast, I'm like, I do not feel like a career role model in the sense of like, I have my life planned out because honestly, I don't. And like, I'm still figuring out who I am. And I think I have that. Well, now what question like every day? Right. But I think that I'm getting to a place of like, okay, that's okay. That's just like part of being a human.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's so refreshing. Cause you started all this, like at such a young age, you've accomplished so much and it's refreshing for people to still hear. Like, I know you're still young 22, but like you've done all this. you still don't know like what you want to do which is which is good to hear because uh, so many people feel that way I think it's really rare for someone to know I want to do this unless you're like wanting to become a doctor or something but yeah thank you so much for your time it was lovely chatting with you um I highly recommend checking out Nadia's book you can also follow you on Instagram right and Nadia Okamoto and then August as well um and I'm excited to see where that launches in the next year Thank you
0: so much. Thank you for having me.
1: And that was Nadia Okamoto. If you're interested in learning more about her story, check out her Instagram, Nadia Okamoto, or check out August, the new platform that she's launching. If you like the episode, please subscribe, leave a review. You know what to do. Follow me on Instagram at Podcast. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.